When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Hi there, it's Timmy Manor and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, as he does every single week, it's my man, Ben Little. Yes, right here. Yeah, we play some songs and we speak to some amazing figures in the sporting world. And our special guest this week, guys, I'm excited about this one. He debuted in 1987 with the Penrith Panthers. He's a Westie and would quickly become one of the most feared players ever to play professional rugby league Oof. across an 11-year career. He would then go on to play for South Sydney Rabbitohs and London Broncos, but is most well-known for the team he played with was the Manly Seagulls and the 96 Premiership winning team, known as one of the greatest sides in rugby league history. Nowadays... Our guest is an entrepreneur who owns his own gym right here in Sydney. He's a commentator with Fox Sports and NRL Nation. And this month, he's celebrating the launch of his very own book. Benny, do you have a book? No, not yet. No, yeah, me neither. Tonight, my guest is one of our favourites, the Spirit of Sport of Rugby League legend, Mark Carroll Spud. Welcome to the Spirit of Sport, mate. Oh, Timmy, what a bloody great intro. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, seriously, I can't believe it's taken you so long to bring me. I've been hanging to sit here and have a chat here, mate. As, as uh, Westie to Westie, we're going to yeah. have a great chat. I was, mate, I was waiting for you to launch your book so I can get you on here. So now we've got something to pump up now. Yes. Um, but tell me about it a bit. Tell me, let's start straight in there with your yeah. book. Tell me about your book. How did that come about? Well, it came about... Um, well, I was doing uh, some Fox shows out at Macquarie Park there and um, Adam Hawes, he was, was he? For, he was working for Fox and unfortunately uh, when COVID hit, um, you know, he, he got punted to the side and I was out of work as well and he just rung up and said, well, I think we should, maybe it's a good time to do this book. Yeah. So I said, let's have a crack. I've never written, written a book. He's <laughs> never written a book. So where do you start? So we, I remember I just go, go down the hill from where I live at Bayview on the water's edge. I'd have a two inch new on the hand. I'll have one beer and we talk for about an hour. Yep. And uh, he, he just came back to me the next day, all typed out. It sounded great, you yeah, know. Right. So then I'd send it off to my mates and then they'd come back, Jesus, but this sounds like you. And then <laughs> it just escalated. We only, I think we got up to about 29 chapters. And then you get the process of, um, you know, the people you, you know. So I went to Russell Crowe, asked him to do the Ford. That took many, many months to get. That was the, my main thing yeah. to get. Cool. And when he did come back, um, I re- when you when you read the first chapter, um, I couldn't read the rest of it. I just put it down. I didn't even look at the rest of it because I was just so annoyed because yeah. he actually gives it to me yeah. about <laughs> me being a pest and persistent. And that's that's how I am at work. I'm just my philosophy in life has always been, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Mm, and turn negative disco. into a positive. I hate negativity. Yeah. And this was negative. And anyway, I put it down. And the next guy I came in was a a great Australian actor, Wayne Blair. And I started reading it out. And I stopped it, the part I stopped that, and he goes, go on. And then I started going on, and I hadn't, I hadn't read this. And he stops and goes, mate, this is bloody brilliant. Yeah. And it's a really good forward. He gives it to me. Oh. Uh, but some of the chapters, you know, you talk about school, you talk about the upbringing. Um, you know, I just worked really hard as a, as a young kid from Greystains, always dreamt about playing 
playing rugby league. Naturally, Parramatta was my side. Ray Price, Greg, uh, Eric Roth, um, they were my heroes. But I had the opportunity to play for Parramatta, but they shunned me as a kid. <laughs> I played rugby union, went to the dark side, and then it just goes on. But there's stories about, you know, um, winning a comp. There's stories about, you know, myself and Paul Harrigan. You know, I actually got chief to do his own chapter, which is quite amazing. I, wow. Yeah, you, know, you read books and you know, you, hear, you have you hear confrontations and, about nemesis and everything, but to hear it from the other side, I want to know what was going through his brain. Yeah, and what I and I got under his skin, it was bloody great. <laughs> yeah, and then you know the Russell Crowe stuff, and then it just goes on from there. Mate, I've got massive childhood memories of you and Chief going at it. I think yeah. every young kid growing up idolised that that feud. Um, but just going back to your book, can you explain a bit about your your relationship with Rusty? How, how did that come about? Quite amazing. Um, I, I went and played. I left Manly after the grand final in 97. I, uh, I went and played for the London Broncos. And I didn't do my research. I went to the wrong club. I should have went up north. But down in, uh, in London, they got no idea about rugby league. They, they all think you're rugby players. Yep. It was Richard Branson on the joint. And I lasted one year there. I ended up coming back to play for South. And that's where I met Russell. It was, it was just before a game. And I see uh, Tom Cruise walks in. And I don't watch many movies, but I know who bloody Tom Cruise is. I went, geez, he's pretty. He had really nice hair. And then Russell walks in, and uh, he was sort of – and I love watches. He had a, what they call a Submariner Rolex on. And after the game, he come up and uh, shook hands, and I said, oh, I dig your watch, mate. And he goes, oh, thanks very much, Submariner Rolex. It was his first watch he actually bought. Yeah. I said, I'm going to get one of those one day. Anyway, we exchanged numbers, and then he just ring and ring and ring. I'd go to one game when I, ret- I retired in uh, in 98 – I, uh, I found it very hard to let go of rugby league, if you can't imagine. Yeah. And Monique, <laughs> have you let go? I feel like you haven't let go no, yet. <laughs> no, no. Monique, uh, my wife, she was teaching uh, uh, cheerleading at South, and I'd go to one game just to lend some support to me, you know? Yeah. And Russell would be in the crowd. So this is how it happened. For the next three years, I went to one game, and he was in the crowd. Got to the fourth year. I'm now 36. I hadn't ran for like three or four years. And he said, I want you to play rugby league again. I want you to play for the Rara Valley Axemen up in Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll ring you tomorrow. I said, okay, ring me tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I'll give you an answer. So I go home. And he goes, oh, did you see Russell? Yeah, he wants me to play rugby league again. And she goes, just go and bash someone and get it out of your system, will you? <laughs> I then ring up my mate, good mate, Des Hasler. Yeah. How he talks, uh, spud, spud, spud. Mate, um, yeah, don't do it for the money. You know, tell him you want to get into his network. He'll laugh. He'll ask what that means. And Russell rung at 9 o'clock. Um, Asked how much money I wanted. I said, look, don't worry about the money. I just want to I look after you. You know, I can do all this stuff. Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I can get in your network, mate. I can train. I can, I can do everything for you. And he goes, just start playing rugby league, which I did. And my life was, a. This everyone thought I was going up in a Learjet. It sounded nice at the time, but I was going up Qantas. I'd go Tuesday, come back Wednesday, go Thursday, come back Friday, go up Saturday, play Sunday for 12 weeks. Yeah. And after about four weeks, um, when you come back from rugby league, mate, it took uh, – it took me a long time to get the cobwebs out of the, out of the system. And I remember Russell sitting back. Flying doesn't help either. The recovery, your body. Oh, mate, you're getting old. Yeah, and yeah. The, just the, the, the grounds up there are like rock. So I, <laughs> I'd bark off my knees left, right, and said, but I remember Russell sitting back and he said, oh, how do you think you're going? I said, mate, think of me out there, Russell. And I yeah. called him another name. I said, mate, half me is me because I'm Mark Carroll. Half's you because you got me up here. They're trying yeah. to knock my head off. But I'll tell you what, when I get my bearings, oh, mate, I'll tell you, I didn't drop that many blokes. <laughs> and it was like closure for me. And to cut a long story short, to say thank you, Russell bought me a Rolex. Oh, oh are you kidding? Fan- How good's fantastic. That? Yeah, so that was um his memory was fantastic. Um it's my uh yeah, my weekend watch. And um I just he's just he's just such 
an unbelievable person. When you a, see someone work to me like the way he does, you can see yeah. why the South Sydney dress code, he's picked all that. Yeah. It's, it's masterful. Everyone wants to wear it. Like it's just, it's not second second string. It's everything's perfect. And that's how he is in life. But to watch him do a movie and turn into that character, which when he was still in the Cinderella Man, um, my God, he thought he was a boxer, the way he used to move. But just to see the, Oh, the, the the stuff he puts into making the movie, you can see why he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get into his um, network? Did you end up being, it was his bodybuilder or PT? Or, or yeah, what? I, mean, I ended up doing, uh, what they call a bodyguard, mate. At the end of the day, man, I'm six foot four. I can walk down the street and scare someone with my eyes. But no, the the best thing was that I had to, uh, oh, there's a couple, a couple of things. But when I when I first took um, Danny all over, and I remember he ringing me up. He goes, okay, it's your first gig, taking Daniel over to LA, meeting us over there. We're going to Master and Commander, another movie, which I had nothing to do with. And he said, the only downside is that um, uh, her mum and herself will fly first class, but you'll be in business class. I went, oh, you've got to be kidding. He goes, oh, but they'll be good seats, but business class, I'm used to economy. So I remember sitting in 1A, and for some reason, I'll think back now, I was such a bullfed. I kept getting up, making sure it was okay. Like, she was snoring. No one knew who she was, but all I did was eat. And all the girls kept saying, I said, I've never seen anyone eat so much. <laughs> so the LA's 14 hours. Yeah. Uh, and then the next time I uh, I went, he then come back and he said, I want you to meet Angelo Dundee. That's how it all started. Uh, we're in the little gym down in uh, Surrey Hills there. And the great Angelo Dundee is, is yeah, Muhammad Ali, say no more. And he came up and shook hands. And there was all these, there was three other athletic, really good-looking, like fit-looking dudes. And they were ex-Canadian um, Olympians yep. in the movie, selected for their parts in the Cinderella. Man, I had nothing, I had no idea what this movie was about. And Angelo uh, comes up and we had a bit of a you know, handshake and he had a bit of a chat and Russell sort of explained to him what I did and he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> And then uh, Russell asked me to go overseas and do the movie with him. So I had six months away. Um, Malik and the kids came over twice, and it was just such an unbelievable experience. How good's that? Mm. You've been in a movie before, Benny? <laughs> no, I yeah, haven't. No. No. If you need a bodyguard, let me know. I know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> good. How did you find the process of going back over your life and going through some of those old stories? Did you find mm. some of them surprising? Yeah, quite amazing to dig deep. Um, yeah, just even looking at some old photos, that's it's it's a whole press process. You don't think, oh, writing a book's easy. You've then got to find a a publisher, yeah. but then they say they only want X amount of photos. So you find all these photos, and they're flicking through them left, right, and center. Um, it's like a, a good movie. Some of the best photos or best cuts they do in a movie lands on the on the on the floor. Yeah. But it, they've done a great job. Uh, the, the probably the hardest thing for me was the the front cover. I had this cover in mind. Um, it's one of my favourite footy cards. As a kid, you dream about being on a footy card, and I, I think I was on 12 footy cards. Yeah. Yeah. It just still blows me away, you know. But there's this one that's just – it is me, and A, we couldn't find out who shot it, and you just can't go and use it. So one of yeah. my clients actually um, found this fantastic photo, which we've now used. Um, I like the, front, the one on the cover. The, the cover photo's cover. good. Yeah, well, yeah. It's the, Timmy, it's the pinnacle. So uh, as a kid, you know, Western Suburbs of Sydney, I dreamt about playing footy. Dreamt about playing first grade. Then when you play first grade, you go, okay, I'm playing first grade. What's next? City versus country, New South Wales. And I was fortunate enough, I played for Australia before I played any of those. Yeah. Um, but to win a comp, I always remember Mal Meninga, him there crying, and I was crying myself. And he said, that's the best thing you can ever do. You can, you know, you're with your mates 11 months of the year. You can play for your country, play for your state, but to win a comp with your mates is the ultimate. And I was fortunate enough, I, I won a comp in 96. I look back now, we probably should have won all bloody three, but. Some of the greatest guys in the in the game have never played a grand final. I'm lucky I played one. 
Yeah. It's iconic. You look at you know you that famous Manly strip yeah. that one, the Winfield Cup, Union Element. I reckon that it's a great photo for the front of it anyway. Was there a, was there a part of the book that was hard to write that you, you struggled like talking about? No, nah, not really. Mate, I can talk underwater. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, are there like any experiences in your life that you want that you found hard to speak about it? Uh you know, that's a good question. No, I've never, never. It just sort of we didn't sort of go that area. We just sort of there was the negativity. Sure, the injuries you have, but also um, I, I was I was talking about that many different things. So it sort of all come together like a jigsaw puzzle. Just is out to the right and then comes back to the left. They're just the three chapters with Russell were. Um, Oh, he's a massive part of my life since yeah. I retired in 99. Uh, his vision, and I send him an email every year to say thanks for his vision for Spud's gym because I've been out now 16 years. Wow. He's seen me on set. And when we're talking about set, um, my job was to sit there and he, he, he's got his own caravan and, and we had this gym trailer, which you, you love. So this whole gym trailer, it was a semi-trailer full of gym gear. It was for him <laughs> and myself. Yeah. And I was the side of a house. Yeah. Didn't there doing weights all the time. And he, he, and he was trying – he had to lose – Certain weight and, and bits and pieces for the shot in the movie. And I remember one time we did um, diuretics. So I got down to about like lower than my body weight, like for footy, look at unreal. And then the next day you put it back on after eating a heap of food. But I just think that the whole thing with um, just watching, just watching how a movie comes together like that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just it was, it was incredible. The people I met, you know, Ron Howard, for instance. Um, yeah, I was supposed to sit there, but I just kept wandering around. And, and Ron Howard, we had a football, we were passing a footy. Mate, we were front rowers. We weren't allowed to pass, but mate, as a kid, we could. I could <laughs> you, throw were a five, you were a 5'8". I know, yeah. but I could still throw a pass. But when I got to Manly, they said, no more passing. But I can still throw a 30-meter spiral. And I yeah. remember Ron Howard going, Spud, how do you do that? Because they're used to the overarm. Yeah. The, I said, come here, mate. Drag the uh, this collision of myself and the chief. Of course, I had that in my back pocket. Played the tape, and he turned around. His eyes were like buttons. He, he said, you're not wearing any pads. I no said, pads. no, but I had a mouth guard. Yeah. Mate, it broke the ice. I used to sit with him. I'd go out for dinner with him. Everyone's going, mate, what's going on here? <laughs> but I think Russell's seeing that. Um, you know, I used to have contests with the cameramen. Don't put the put the camera on the ground. Like, it's pretty 25 kilo. Don't put it on the ground. I had to buy him beers. But, mate, what it does, it sped the day up. Yeah. We had the best cut days. And then, I don't know, just, I think Russell's seen that and he knew that I'd be good with people. And as, as we're speaking at the moment, we're in COVID times. I've got some fantastic clients. Um, I give it on, like verbally as well. Yeah. They expect it. They yeah. give it back, but it's all part of life. Yeah. I, I know you've probably told this story a thousand times, but Benny wouldn't know it. Can you explain how Spud's, the name came about, mm. Spud? Well, I, as I said, I'm a para junior. I got shafted when I was, uh, it was what well, they called Harold Matthews back then. I was a 5'8", and the 5'8", the his dad was the coach, and it was Bill Black, who's actually still involved with Parramatta. Is that is related to Norm Black? No, nah, Bill Black. I think he's always been involved. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. He's, but, you know, this David Black, he picked his son, and I ended up going and playing rugby union. Oh, Dave, I know Dave Black. Dave Black. Yeah, yeah, So I ended up playing rugby union for two years, and I was a fullback and I was a centre. But I made all these sides because I could tackle. I used to love tackling. You know, I used to love smashing, come out line and whack. And in rugby union, they can't tackle. I then, um, there regards, um, you know, Penrith, it was a great opportunity to go up there and play footy uh, and learn. But with regards to the potatoes, um, I was reserve for reserve grade, right? I couldn't get off the bench. And I just wanted an extra edge. Um, I was dealing with a sports psychologist. Not not saying you're a weirdo and you're laying there on the bed and they're flicking the corner. <laughs> it's all about setting goals, how to achieve a goal. Yeah. But you were hard. doing that back then. 
Oh, that's what I started, mate. Mate, that's uh, that's um, the part of sport now. We talk about it in a few of the guests we've had yeah, the last yeah. few weeks. It's part of sport that has, is just starting to get tapped into now. Yeah. That didn't exist back then. So no, no, it didn't. But before it your just, time. He, he, well, the thing is about this guy, and unfortunately he's just passed away too, Rudy Talmak. He was a unique person. But when we had this test we had to do, and, and, and I'm reserved for reserve grade, and two people topped it. One was Roy Simmons, who was ended up being the captain of the club, but also me. I, I don't know, I don't know what the questions were about. I still can't remember, but he could see something in me. But as I've spoken to you when you were coming through and you were yeah. finishing, you wanted to go out a good winner. Yeah. And we spoke about hit ups and tackles. Twenty hit ups, twenty tackles. If you can do that in a game, you're in the top three players of the game, mm. and that's exactly what you did. Yeah. And you went bang right. Yeah. But it's also the mental thing. When you're reserved for reserve grade, you wait for opportunity. It's like work. It might be your best mate. He makes a mistake at work. You go and fix the problem. You don't give him the problem. You don't give it. You don't give his job back. And I, when when I replaced someone, it was one of my, one of my mates. I knew I wouldn't get replaced again. But the best thing for me after that, um, I also read magazines for energy potatoes. So I see a heap of potatoes, and the, my record was sixteen big ones before a game. <laughs> before a game. Before a game. <laughs> but what happened? This is how it all started. Right? So, so the, I finally got selected for reserve grade. Three weeks in a row, man the match. Had to get up there, and Len Stacker was the coach. I had to stand up and shake his hand. I tried to break his hand every time. The next week, Cardi went down injured. Um, uh, Ron Willie was the coach. He said, okay, we're going to pick Mark Carroll. And that's how it all started. I had, uh, It was my third game of first grade. We got beaten. But I had a, I had a really good game. Just 20 hit-ups, 20 tackles. And I remember Peter Flingos coming, saying, mate, what's your secret? I said, oh, it must be the potatoes. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I ate 16 bloody potatoes before a game. <laughs> Next thing, I remember I got, mum, my mum rang up and said, you better get home. There's all these por- potatoes on the porch. And I ended up getting a photo like this with the, with the hands clenched over, big, big thing of potatoes. <laughs> and the name came when I went to South in 1990. I walked in. Uh, my, my name to a lot of my mates is still uh, Boxhead because i got a square head. And they said, oh, here comes Spud. And I looked over my shoulder and they said, you, your boyfriend, you're the one who eats the potatoes. <laughs> so then it, just, it went from there. I'm a bit of a um, show-off. Ended up getting number plates for my car, Spud. <laughs> but couldn't get SPUD because they were gone. So I ended up getting SPU-double-D and that's ah, I was since. wondering why your gym was SPU-double-D. That's right. Everything's yeah. double-D. Oh, it sweet. stands out, mate. It stands out. <laughs> so oh. that's been 16 years, has it? You've been – Oh, well, it's, it's, I've been retired now. Uh, that was when – I remember when I, when I got to Manly, the Bozo – um, it was very selective because I remember I walked in when I got the Manly in 94. I was 118 kilo. I could lift cars. I was that strong. I had the mobility of an ocean line. He goes, right, get rid of your shoulder pads, get rid of your headgear. I had, had, a, had a mullet. Get rid of your mullet, get rid of your mow. And he goes, and also get rid of those bloody number plates, which I, I kept for many, many years. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, we spoke before about you and Chief and how much every footy fan loved that. Mm. Is Did you go into a game morning like, – wanting to pick out a certain opposition or did it happen naturally in the game and all of a sudden you guys are at each other? When I'm playing the Newcastle Knights, it was no one else. Yeah, It was okay. just him and I. Yeah, Every yeah. scrum, I used to hate head buttons to smash, but back <laughs> then you could actually go on the scrums hard. You go and try yeah. Remember the old loose and, and loose head? There was yeah. that loose head, mate. you got to get in there first, but I used to go hard. Um, my, my thing as a, as a front row, I was always, I was always strike side. Um, my boots always had 18 to 21 mil studs, the aluminium ones. And my <laughs> thing was always the... The, the lash out at the at, at the their other halfback because usually they're the, the kicking. So you aim for his right foot and try and stomp on his foot, get, gets him off his game. But then whenever I played the chief, mate, I knew it was going to be on. Um, but you got to think of the background, and we'll go back to 95. The weekend before, 
we're playing for Australia. He's my teammate. Yeah. He's taking bullets for me. I'm supposed to be taking them for him. That was against the uh, the Kiwis. We won the test. Great, tough, tough. The Kiwis are the hardest ever play. I get the training on the Monday. We're playing the, the Knights later in that week. Bozo, who was my coach for the Australian side, now Manly, cheap's going to smash you. Straight away negativity. You know, Tubes and then Beaver and Nick Kosev and throwing, I hate negative things. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, all, this is building up, right? Game day. My dad rings up. Doesn't say much. Never played rugby league, my dad. Get the first shot in. Just hangs up. <laughs> dad, yeah. Mum rings up. My mum's only five foot. Yeah. I have a good game, but don't hurt anyone. I'm going, mum, let me go. So the game, I remember getting to the game, and there was 33,000 people there in 95. Um, yeah. The crowd was humongous. And I don't know if you ever played the old stadium there, but it was um, they used to stomp and always be dust coming down. And I, everywhere I sat, Whichever I was very superstitious in my life. Wherever I played a game, I had certain places where I'd sit. And this particular day, they used to put pay someone to put water on the floor inside. And when you're getting your feet, remember getting your ankles strapped yeah, and yeah. walking half inch water, right, to get to your boots. Yeah. And I remember there was this little window of opportunity, and I could feel some sort of perspiration. I'm like looking up. I look out. These young kids are spitting at me on the side <laughs> this before a game. Right? <laughs> I, I was all over my sleeve. I'm going like this is building up. And I remember the first play of the game was what they call a face ball. The ball went across Chief. I didn't care where it went. I just took him on. We ended up having a, a bit of a scuffle, but he did a dog act. As he, as he was getting up off the ground, he pulled my jersey and went whack and opened up a, a, an eye, uh, my right eye, which had already had 18 stitches. Yeah. He got he got sent to the bin. I got sent to the blood bin. I remember we got there and and Bose comes down. Tell that, tell that spot it's not a personal war, and I've just given it to Bose. You are kidding me. Back then, no, it was a staple gun, like a machine gun. <laughs> and then the second half, it was just on for young and old. I remember I packed into the, into the scrum and Hopwadi scored in the corner. So I've just given him, give him a bit of a crow peck. Yeah. And the, the story goes, he said to Joey, mate, kick on the spot, kick off the spot. I'm going to give him one more whack. And anyway, he gave me one more whack, but unfortunately, the poor bugger, he was snoring. And I got <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> iconic, that vision. Oh, mate, I, I, yeah. I, some, I still get hairs on the back of the neck because I know my goal was always to, uh, philosophy is, Run from the back fence. I, I took the I took the ball in, and back then I used to I used to wear contacts, so I actually caught the ball and I've taken. My goal was always to get to the first twenty meters, and he come from the side and I turned. But then I remember I got up and I played the ball and I hit the guy who was in front of me. I shoulder charged him, but I could hear cement just giving him in that. Go and give it to him, Spud. To give it to him. But I was more worried about my dad jumping the fence, kicking up the ass. He, he says, if you don't get, get up, you're going to, you know, never show you hurt, always get up. Yeah. Mate, I was hurt and he got me good, but um, oh, you look at the vision. Tubes comes over and I'm pushing my captain away. You don't touch your captain. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Mate, you said before the game you had Bob Fulton, but then you mentioned, you know, obviously Tubes, Menzies, Kosef. Mm. Um, what was it like playing with those kind of guys? Like that team was unbelievable. Yeah. How'd you find playing that in that team? Incredible team. Yeah, they, they asked me the LA, uh, talk about, um, Tom Travoyevich, how much of an influence he is in the game. Back then, Cliff Lyons was another magician. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, thing about the way we used to play, sure, we're going through the middle, but if you're a decoy, you had to sell like you're a decoy. You had to carry on like you want to get the ball. Yeah. And if the main thing was him, as soon as he gets the ball, he, he'd, he'd, he'd drop off the right. The first bloke always had to drop off under under his play of some sort. Yep. But you had to expect the ball because sometimes it'd be, it was like a magician. You had the ball. Like, you just opened your eyes, you got the ball. You didn't know it was coming because he was that good with the uh, ball. But Beaver was an outside, um, what they call, uh, edge player back then. Yeah, he was supposed that was that far ahead of himself. But there was one game, 
I was playing second row, and he was what they call blindside second row. So every scrum, he'd stay the blindside, wouldn't have to do the work when he come out. And I'm absolutely bugging. I said, Beaver, let me have one Let me have one rest. So I stayed there for one blindside, right? And I remember we used to do video analysis, but maybe for 20 minutes, and Bozo had this high chair, and we'd all be sitting down, and he was on my right side, and I used to wear glasses, so I'd be sitting there looking at this TV, and went past the scrum, next play, and then he just goes, eh, and hits the pause, and I could feel his presence. <laughs> and I'd, I'd sweat going down here, and he turns around, looks at me, he goes, he's a blindside second row, do your job. And I looked at Beaver. Beaver's the sort of bloke, he only answers the question when you ask him a question. Yeah. That's the sort of bloke he was, right? And I'll be like, oh, and he goes, don't you ever do that again, which I never did. Whatever he said, I didn't do. But um, just to see his magic with Beaver. Like, Beaver scored 23 tries one, one year, Timmy. Yeah. One year, 23. Then you have someone like um, Daniel Gartner, fantastic player. And then Nick Kosov, I, I, I still call Nick four knees. He's had four reconstructions, poor bugger. But he's got, he, unfortunately, his knees were like dental floss. But he was probably, if he had the, um, the legs of Beaver, he would have lasted as long. He was yeah, a fantastic right. player. And what was the team morale like? Were you guys, would you just say you guys were unified, obviously? And what was that vibe like? Yeah, that's great. It's, um, we used to, yeah, it was it, internal. We used to give it to each other. Mm. And, yeah. and, and a lot of the things, drills we'd do, it'd be monetary value, okay? But things like if you turn up late for training, you had to go and get $100 worth of scratchies. So we'd wait till they come back and we'd get scratchies. You win nothing, but just just the pro- yeah. process of it. But but when it came to game time, it just brings so many fond memories. Um, at training, you can give it to me, but if someone gives it to you on the field, look out. And that's yeah, how it was. That's awesome. That's how it was. It yeah. was just and we everything was built on defence. Like yeah, you know, they talk about the the Penrith Panthers. They're, they've um, withered away, but we kept it going for the whole year. But we used to do this drill, and it was a monetary value again. It might be ten bucks, right? But it was like if you're in a quarter. In, we're talking to our people like, quarter, in the quarter line and you have eight versus eight and then eight be attacking and then Bozo would say, Timmy out, then with eight, seven. Spud out, at six. Yeah. Eight. Next thing be eight against five. So what that happens, you've really got to work in defense. Yeah. And the rules of the game were move up, slide, work on the inside. So if anyone turned the ball back inside, you get, you'd always, um, you'd always, you know, you wouldn't miss your man. But I remember Beaver used to run out and said, Beaver, mate, I'm not as fast as you. Just back me, stay there, but let me know you're there. Yeah. And that's why our defense, mate, we used to, we could, we could hold sides out for three sets of six. Yeah. And they're going, listen, and we'd get the ball, we'd score. Yeah. Because if we just get them straight away. I used to tell the boys, if I can't hear you, I can't trust you. Like, if you're behind me and you're defending, I need to hear just yeah. so I can, 100%. I know you're there. 100%. All that stuff we talk about with culture, though, they all come back on the, off the back of, especially your coach, you know, Bob Fulton. And unfortunately, you know, we lost a great man mm. this year. You were, you were pretty close with him. How, how much of an impact did he have in your life? And what was your relationship like with him? Yeah, oh, massive. Yeah. Uh, you go back to when he picked me the first time in 1990, uh, playing for – I was playing for South, and my goal was to be the best on the ground every every game. And I, I set goals. They A, that's one. B was – at the end of the year, there was a 1990 kangaroo tour. Yeah. That was my ultimate goal. And the way it carried on, um, we were getting flogged every week. We were coming last. We got a wooden spoon that year. But there's one game that was against Manly. And – my dad would ring up and give me a couple of people to get into. And one of those was Martin Bella. And the other one was uh, Ian Roberts. Ian Roberts left from South to go to Manly the year before. Mm. So a few of the boys wanted to get him, as you do with your teammates. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then but then dad would say, um, 
Bob Fulton's in the crowd. Remember the end goal. <laughs> just hang up. I said, okay, Dad, here we go again. Yeah. But with, I used to watch videos back then. They had a special play where the board go to the left, go to the right, and then they turn a running through the middle, Ian Roberts. It's still a, mate, it's, the, the, the move would still work these days. Anyway, he come flying through, and I've hit this, mate. It's one of the best tackles I've ever made. I hit him legal, hit him across the chest, and apexed him on the ground. As he's hit the ground, all the boys come down and rabbit chopped him and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, we, we end up. We uh, lost that game, and the next day I was a roof plumber back then yeah. for Alcan, <laughs> and the lady come out. No mobile phones back then. She comes. This is 1990. Lady comes out and she goes, "Um, which one's Mark?" I said, "Yeah, me, love." She goes, "Oh, there's a phone call for you." I went, "Oh shit, someone's dead," you know. <laughs> so I went in there, answered the phone, trepidation. Hello, uh, Jeff Carr, Australian Rugby League. You just made the Australian side. I started crying, bawling. Right? She's going, "What's up?" I said, "Made the Australian side." Bring up my old man. He starts crying, but. Yeah. Ian Roberts made the Australian side. It was a one-off test against France in parks. And Bozo said he, he missed out. He got, he got out because he was out injured. And he goes, I want the bloke who whacked him. That was me. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. And then to go up there, I remember I roomed with uh, Dave Gillespie. But the crazy thing was um, it's freezing. It was snowing up there. And I'm freezing. And I'm, I'm in between these two so the grandstands, I'm running on the spot, just doing jumping around. It was about 14 minutes to go, and Johnny Lewis was our trainer back then. He didn't know who it was, so he goes, hey, Bose, you better get this Carol bloke on the field. He's about to run through the fence. I'll just keep him <laughs> Anyway, they said, you're on. So I remember hearing, I jumped over the fence. I had the big student shoulder. Remember the student shoulder? Yeah, yeah, made yeah. version. And I had the headgear on, and I hear the crowd going, I'm going, oh, how good is this? I'm playing for Australia. It wasn't for me. I looked over my shoulder. Andrew Eddinghausen was coming on. He was the other replacement. <laughs> Uh, it was hilarious, but that's that's all Simon Bozo. Did you wear headgear? Yeah, I'm massively. But when yeah. I got to Manly, yeah, um, Bieber took over. The, he took over the, my headgear. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy who wore headgear was another good mate of mine who was probably one of the biggest hitters with uh, Peter Johnson. He had he played for Parramatta as well, Illawarra, yeah. but he had he had a student written across. But Bozo was um, oh, it's like my second dad. You know, you, you, you make a mistake, you don't do it again. Yeah, and. I learned so much about the game from him. Um, without going to Manly, you know, I won a comp, uh, played for my state and played for my country and became a far better player. I remember I walked in 108 kilo and I remember 118 kilo and I remember I said to you once, yeah. what are you weighing? And, and Bozo said, you've got to get down to 108. I went, I was just there. He goes, you've got yeah. to get down to 108 because the game's changed. And I remember yeah. when you were in a bit of a troll there for a little bit, yeah. I said, I asked what your weight was. I said, we needed a couple of kilos down. You can still do the same work. But then yeah. your mental state was you had to go and do 20 carries. I remember you, you, you nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. The, the, yeah, the game's definitely changing now. I feel like the, the big boys are saying it, it's, it goes, you know, like ebbs and flows. Sometimes you need to have the bigger bodies a few years ago. Now it's, you need to be more faster, yeah. powerful. Yeah. And I'm almost glad I'm not playing anymore because there's that, the six again rule would have killed me. How yeah. you, you're, you're, how <laughs> oh, you, no. The guys in the middle, no, no one in the world, those, those, <laughs> Imagine a cook and running the washing there. machine. Imagine <laughs> someone running like even like Tedesco. I can't believe the way he play. He's like a pinball machine. He yeah, just yeah, bounces yeah. off. Ding, ding, ding. He's um, got mong strength too. He's hard to get a hold of. You got to get a grab him. So, he's like uh, he's it, it reverses just pushes and, away. But yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm happy what I did in the game. I, yeah, it's, the game's like I said, it's so much different when we come through. Is it good or bad? I don't know. It's their decision. But yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that something's happened that uh, people still talk about yeah. what I did. Mate, two of your standout qualities. Uh, would be your toughness and and your relatability with people. Mm. Uh, from when you look back on your your upbringing, your journey, and that, where, where did those things kind of start for you? Mm. Well, Dad, my Dad, well, his background 
He's had that many jobs, my dad, and I think I've got the work ethic like that. I get up early, get home late, work hard. My son's the same, Joshua. He's the same. Yeah. Um, he's got good work ethic. I, I, I know. It's just it's just how you brought up. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's great things, mate. Like I said, I've, things like you know, I, we didn't have all the fancy things. Like the you know, didn't have the best BMX. I didn't have the best bike. Didn't have the best skateboard. I had to go and you know put things together. Yeah. Nothing came easy. You know, I'd go and get a tractor tire from a BMG and get a big tractor tire and just roll that around. Uh, yeah. I didn't have the best football. I had probably the worst footy, but every football I, I got was nude because I just kept kicking it and get it bare. Yeah. Um, but then you have a look at my mum. My mum's five foot tall. I was a 10-pound baby. My mum's a tough lady, you know. Yeah. But I look at my dad. He was badly burnt as a, as a kid. I mean, um, 21-year-old, 70% burnt. Um, oh, these days, you know, they, you know, you hear stories of what um, happens these days, but my dad, you know, I can see why how tough he is, but he's always had a job. He was a muse. He was bass player for Johnny O'Keefe all those years ago. So I think he's, as a parent, mate, they were um, fantastic. I remember Christmas time, we'd always have a surprise, you know. I think I believed in the sandals about 13. I used to love sandals. <laughs> <laughs> I was sad when he, he I they still said do. no. I still do. Don't make I, remember, I still remember one Christmas, and I used to love um, cricket. I used to love cricket. And... The surprise at the end was um, I always wanted a, a, a what they call a grey necklace scoop bat. I tried making one, and I remember I getting out the the, the um yeah the, the what do you call the chisel and took the back of this thing out. First time you hit the ball, it snaps in half. So I ended up getting a real um, Greg Chapel. It was outstanding. And my brother got a um it was a um what's his name Richards Richards uh, it was a SS jumbo thing with his back thing. And back then, we're only kids. I think about now you have a laugh. I remember we stripped the uh, the tree down, all the balls off the tree, and we went downstairs and just like doing throw down. So I throw them down and blank, like just just doing the pad down. Yeah. And then we'd say to my dad, "Oh, it's got a good spring, mate. They'll bloody foam." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I just, in, you know, as a parent now, I've got two beautiful kids. Joshua's twenty six, Indiana twenty two. Yeah. Um, just got to teach them the right things, mate. Like just yeah. bits and pieces, things, unlike. I've never had a cigarette. Um, have I had a beer? Yes. I've never even thought about having a cigarette. Um, have I ever done drugs? Never done drugs. I wouldn't know what – I know what cocaine looks like. I've seen the movies. Mm, yeah. um, am I naive? I'm probably a naive bloke, but it's just the way I've been brought up. And, and my dad had this thing, if you don't smoke before you're 21, because my mum mum and dad smoked. But they said, if you don't smoke before you're 21, I'm going to give you 1000 bucks, right? I turned 21, I got $1,000. Dean got the same. My sister – she was smoking a little bit, but she ended up getting a thousand bucks. <laughs> so I've done the same thing to my kids as well. Yeah, so cool. Joshua, um, and when I got up and said something about Josh, uh, monetary value, sure it was a thousand dollars, but at the end of the day, I said, Josh, there's that many other things now in life compared to when I was coming through when I was 21. I said, Yeah, you go out now and you're seeing drugs all the time. It wasn't around really when we were coming through. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, there's that many different these, these, and it's getting so, so cheap now for these guys to have drugs. My my thing at the moment, and because I'm doing outdoor stuff now, guys, yeah. these bloody vapor things, like everyone's yeah. doing, there's got to be something in them. I, I, it does my head in. It's got. It's the most addictive thing. They say about cigarettes is addictive. Mate, I see every second person on them. Mate, to be honest, it's poison. When you think of some of the stuff that's in it and what they're just punching, oh. punching through their bodies, it's yeah. crazy. Mate, you talk about Spud, though. How are you, how you going with the gym during COVID? I know it's trying time for all entrepreneurs, but yeah. how are you finding it as a business owner? Well, I'm a one-man band, so that's a bonus in some ways. I feel sorry for the big corporations. There's a gym down the road called City Gym. It's been around there for years. And the members and, and you know, I've got some fantastic uh, clients, like fantastic clients who just want to come and train with myself. Um, yeah. we've, 
I, I can only jump in now and then. It's down down to limited numbers, but they're they've been turning up. And it gets them out of bed, mate. It gets me out of bed. Yeah, just for the mind sake of it too. Yeah. You know, sure we got some negativity, but we'll, we'll get out of this. But we just got to do the right thing. Yeah. Just do the right thing. The, the quicker we can get out of this system and we get some sort of coverage, as in jab or whatever, we're going to move on. Yeah. You seem to have such a, a positive outlook and mindset when it comes to your, your daily routine. Is there anything you do daily or anything like that that keeps you in that frame of mind or keeps that mindset in check? Yeah, I sometimes think back at the end of the week, you know, how do you do it? And Monique, my wife and, and kids think, yeah, how do you do this, Dad? Because I've, I set the alarm. I've never slept through an alarm. I'm always up before my alarm. Yeah. Uh, most mornings I'm up at 5 o'clock. I'm at the gym by 6, 6.30. Uh, you know, try and, I don't like breaks. Um, if I do have breaks, I, I I have a I have a guitar close to me. Just play a guitar for half hour, mucking around. But just try and keep active. Um, I don't know, it's just yeah, we 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 are so lucky compared to other countries. Yeah. Um, we we at the moment we have winter. It's it's like twenty two degrees. Like yeah. we're in a pretty good space. Sure, I have day, I have bad days. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I've, yeah. I have some bad days, and I'll probably start this year off with a couple of bad days. Yeah, probably a couple of bad couple of bad weeks. So we we had three weeks lockdown in, in uh, up in Bayview, Northern Beaches, and it did my head in. I just I'm one of these guys who's got to keep active. That's yeah. why I've been so lucky this year. Um, a got the spuds to gym. B I love doing the fox. I was doing the uh, New South Wales Cup this year. And it's it's quite scary when you haven't done it. I've done it. I've been up for like for about a year and a half, and then we closed down. But to be the sidekick and when to come in, I feel like I'm getting better at that. Yeah. Um, the, the shows I do, Timmy does in all tonight. I do that a couple of times a week, which I love doing. Um, and now doing this SEN 1170, I do the stuff on the on a Thursday hour, and I've got a couple of things I do. Look good, feel good, smell good. Just I'm just crazy. <laughs> and, 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 and rattle the cage. Like some things get under my skin and rattle the cage with Spud Carroll, mate. My yeah. mates can't wait to hear it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> You talked about the guitar just before. Mm. You, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago you did a gig with a few ah. of the big dogs. Tell us a bit about that. Another great thing that's happened. Um, I've always dreamt about being in a band, and I got this phone call. It's got to go two years now from Gavin Robinson. He used to play cricket for Australia. And there's, he said, oh, we're putting this band together. And he told me it was in it. And one of them was my idol. That's in Eric Grove Senior. It was a, I idolised him as a kid. Yeah. It's in the book. Um, I used to love doing the Eric Grove bump. I used to drop kids left, right, and centre, you know. <laughs> And I'm now in a band with himself, uh, Richard Chiqui, another Australian cricketer, Mike Whitney, and we've got two fabulous real musicians. They're called real musicians because <laughs> one's guy Steve Bowby, who's an Australian rocker, and another one called Andrew Dawson. And we've we did a show. I was going back two months now uh, out at Richmond. Three hundred and twenty, sorry, two hundred and thirty people turned up. We could have got four hundred, but yeah. due to COVID, and we um, never done it before. We spoke, we got on stage and we spoke for a good hour, just Q&A to each other because I want to know stories about everyone. Yeah. And then we said, okay, guys, you've got 10 minutes to have a bit of a toilet break. We're coming out. We, we punched out 20 songs. <laughs> it was the most, it's the closest the adrenaline I've had since rugby league. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, let's get up there and you've got the gear and you're playing and you're hearing the, and a couple of musicians out there, one, one in particular, my, my daughter's, um, Boy from Eli, he's like a, a Tommy Emmanuel sort of player and always sort of gets into me saying, oh, Spud, you're doing Wild Thing and all these other songs. And he said, mate, that first song, which was Soul Rock by Goanna, the harmony was incredible and it was bloody great. It was yeah. really, like, it's on the hair on the back of the neck stuff, you know? Like, yeah. And that's how we were when we first got together. We were, um, we're in a studio, not, it was, it was um, the old 2WS where um, 
we're uh, uh, 1269 and we're in this little studio and we started playing this and we're all looking at each other going, this sounds bloody good, you know. And, <laughs> but this is how it started. That was our first session. Yeah. So over the weekend, I'm all I'm all pumped up going, I can't wait till next week. And I remember sending Gavin, you talk about tough people, right, Gavin Robinson, and I sent him a text, mate, I'm so pumped up. Where are we going this week? Comes back with a text, hey, guys, just coming back from Melbourne. Uh, I've got brain tumour. I thought it was oh. a G up. I'm getting picked up. Steve Wall going to see Charlie Teo. Boom, boom, boom. And I've then sent this to Eric. And I went, do you reckon this is a joke? He goes, mate, I, I don't know. And it was really had brain tumours. Yeah. And he's bounced back. He's our captain. We call him the skipper like a, <laughs> of a cricket side. Yeah. But it's the, as we're called um, true sports. It's, mate, there's nothing out there. Yeah. And we can't, we're, we're going to have a lot of gigs coming up. I was about to say that. So if we've got any listeners out there that yeah. work out lease clubs or run lease clubs, you couldn't ask for a better act because you've got guys that, one, they're ticking every box. They're, they're having a chat with each other, explaining stories of their careers. Yeah. And mm. on top of that, they're playing some awesome music. And, mate, the, the, the members of clubs would love that. Yeah. yeah. They'd sell that out easily. Yeah, great night out. Yeah. So what are they called again? No, we're called True Sports. True and Sports. And it's, it's – get us out there. Like, it's yeah. um, the passion from one gig – yeah. Through the whole, you know, we can't wait to get together. I know due to COVID we can't, but just I want to hear the stories too. Like me being as a kid, I used to love the West Indian cricket side, and we're talking about Mike Whitney who takes off Joel. He takes off Joel Gardner. And he, he talks. I'm thinking I'm looking at Viv Richards the way he talks. Yeah, he's seen it all. And then you have Richard Chiqui, and he talks about you know the racism of coming through as a cricketer. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's in every bloody sport, mate. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, but he's come out the other side, and now we're just the the positivity from this. Um, Wow, it's just, yeah, I'm in a band. Yeah. That's so cool. Mate, time flies with you. I feel like you could have gone forever. <laughs> yeah. um, what's the name of your book and how can people get a hold of it? Mate, I appreciate being on the show. Uh, it's called Spud, uh, the Mark Carroll story. Yeah. Um, it's written by Adam Hawes. I've got Russ, Russell Crowe did the forward for it, and it's penguin.com.au. Yeah. It's also going to be an audio book. Um, my mate Wayne Blair. He did the um, audio for He's it. He's a champion. Oh, mate. Yeah. They, they reckon it sounds fantastic. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Good. But and it's also an, an all good bookstores, they say. But it's out on the 17th of uh, August. Yep. You know, COVID might stop probably the launch, but what it does, it's going to have people at home, so it gives them something to read. And yeah. the people I've given a couple of books to, they, Penguin gave me a couple of books, and they've come back to me saying, I can't put this book down, which blows me away. Yeah. Spud, thanks so much for giving the listeners, giving us a bit of a sneak peek into this book, mate. I'm sure so many people can't wait to get a hold of it. It's called Spud, the Mark Carroll Story, 17th of August, all good bookstores and the Penguin website. Spud, mate, you're a champion. Thanks so much for your time. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. Great time, thank you.